Now let's uh, turn our attention to the Show Me Institute. Uh, Patrick Ishmael is on board. He is the Director of Government Accountability at Show Me. And uh, he says the state just can't keep rearranging the deck chairs on the pension programs. Something's going to have to change. Patrick, welcome to the program. What's going on with our pension programs in the state of Missouri? Well, thanks, Gary. Well, as you know, uh, and, and obviously as a lot of our, our citizens know, uh, we pay for some of the retirements for some of our state workers, and, and there are a few different uh, funds that get funded through the state, uh, and the question is whether or not there's going to be enough money at the end of uh, that funding, at the end of their careers when they go retire, to make sure that they are able to enjoy their retirement and make sure the taxpayers are protected. And we've talked about pension problems at the state level for a number of years. The state is aware of it. They had a meeting last week about combining two of the pension funds uh, over concerns of maybe duplications in administration and, and costs that are too high. Um, and, and I think it's, it is something that is worth considering, uh, combining these pensions and making sure that they're fully funded. Um, one of the big concerns, though, is that fundamentally the way that we actually fund these retirements uh, actually puts taxpayers on the hook. So the way it works is you, you put money in, in these funds today, and uh, there is a presumed rate of return, and that dictates how much money you have to put into it. And unfortunately, a lot of these funds are significantly underfunded, so they know exactly how much money they're going to have to pay out at the end, uh, and yet these funds are oftentimes 50, 60, only 70 percent funded, which means that future taxpayers will have to make up that difference. And we're talking about funds that are really large. Moser's, for, for one, is about $12 billion uh, in assets, and yet that is still not uh, fully encompassing of what the ultimate liabilities are going to be, which could be more than 16 or 17 billion dollars. And the question is, how do you how do you pay for that, and who pays for that? And, and really, the, the only good answer there is to change the way that we, we treat uh, our, our pensions. And I think for at least future beneficiaries, say, you know what, we will give you a certain amount of money, but we're not going to define the benefit that we'll be giving you. We'll be defining the contribution we give to you, and then it's up to you to decide where you want to invest that, and that protects taxpayers, that that protects state employees. Right. I think that's something that we really need to start talking about a lot more seriously because so if we do that, Patrick, liabilities are coming. If, if we tell the new employees or, or we can get uh, some of these employees out of defined, con, uh, devi, defined um, uh, uh, benefits, uh, will that will it be enough to switch some of them to save the uh, ones with, you know, that aren't? Um, that are in trouble, rather? In, in other words... Well, I, you know... Well, I was going to say, I think I think we have to start making the policy decisions and, and decide, for one, whether or not we want to change the law and law for folks who are in defined benefit pensions currently to shift over to defined contribution pensions. And that, would, I think, would relieve the stress on our pension system even more so. Um, but I think one of the things that we can do, at least as a minimum, is for those who are coming into, who are, you know, new hires into uh, to becoming a state employee, um, I think that we need to consider whether or not we need to start shifting those folks into those defined contribution plans and instead there's been a lot of pushback on that and you know I, if 
you, if you're an employee, you know, there is something attractive to coming in and having a pension that, that you know, the state is guaranteeing will be there regardless of, of kind of what the market does. Um, but for taxpayers, that kind of a guarantee is tough. I mean, you don't have guaranteed funding for things like infrastructure or education, and yet the state guarantees a specific level of, of funding and spending for these plans that for, for actual state services you really don't typically see, and that puts pressure over time on those particular services because as pension liabilities grow, um, that means that that money that would have otherwise gone to infrastructure and things you know, relating to state services is going to those things instead. So it, it is more of a long-term solution that at least you're stopping the bleeding in terms of these kind of guaranteed benefits by shifting new hires who don't have a defined benefit plan into these defined contribution plans instead. And for those who already have defined benefit plans, uh, I think giving them an option to shift into a defined contribution plan would, would potentially help taxpayers as well. Uh, but, I mean, they have been promised something, and, and I think that you, you can't really take that promise away either. Uh, I seem to recall that uh, places like Detroit uh, kept kicking the can down the road uh, because uh, their former law enforcement and firing other other city employees had to find uh, benefits. And they they ran so much out of money that, that nobody was getting anything. They just went broke. Yeah, and you've seen this in, in the private sector, too. I mean, there have been pensions for auto workers, for instance, that just kind of detonated, and it, it significantly impacted uh, those employees. And, and that is one thing that you don't want to have happen. I mean, the, when the state makes a promise, the, the state needs to really follow through on that promise. And again, provide options as alternatives to that promise, that shift from defined benefit to defined contribution, depending on if, if a potential retiree or you know future retiree would want to do something like that. But it, it is kind of like a landmine uh, where uh, you can kick the can down the road and not make, uh, you know, sufficient contributions today to make sure that you have enough money to fund these benefits in the future. And, and I think for a lot of, you know, political actors, there's a short-term incentive to reduce the amount of money that you're putting into these plans and assume that you're going to get really great returns later on because that allows you to act as if, well, you know, we can spend more money on infrastructure today because we think we're going to be able to fund these things in the future because the market's going to be greater or, or what have you. But unfortunately, um, the, the rates of return that are being presumed, I think, are really optimistic. And what happens is if you don't hit those rates of return, uh, you're going to have, you know, kids and grandkids today paying for these benefits uh, you know, 30 or 40 years from now, even though they really didn't <laughs> experience the, the infrastructure benefits that you could have had otherwise. So, there, um, if you, so in other words, if you don't if you don't fix this now, you're whistling past the graveyard because somewhere down the road, this bill has to be paid. Patrick Ishmael is with us from the Show Me Institute. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, the folks in Jeff City are paying attention to what you're saying, because uh, generations from now are going to be paying a hell of a price. Uh, thank you, Patrick, for, I, I, for being with us. Thank, thank right. you. I think they're they're thinking about it. All Bye. right. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. All right. The Republic.